Hello, and welcome to United Health Group's Weekly Dose Podcast, where we'll get you up to speed on the latest trends shaping the future of healthcare. I'm your host, Evan Sweeney. Today, we're going back in time to take a closer look at an unprecedented event in the state of Texas. In February, a sudden deep freeze threw the state's power grid into crisis, leaving millions without power in freezing temperatures for several days. The deep freeze would become one of the costliest and most disruptive natural disasters in the state's history, shutting down water systems and leaving people susceptible to hypothermia and carbon monoxide poisoning. And it was particularly impactful for vulnerable populations, including United Healthcare members, who are unable to evacuate their homes or access needed medical services. Joining us today to talk about responding to one of the worst natural disasters in Texas is Marianne Cabanillas, CEO of United Healthcare Texas. Marion, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Let's let's go back to, I want you to take me back to February when this um, deep freeze occurred in Texas and, and really just a, a massive disruption to the entire state. But uh, I'm curious from sort of your perspective, and, and I know you've probably dealt with a number of natural disasters in recent years, but when did you sort of realize that this was kind of a once in a lifetime challenge for, for the organization? Yeah, you know, um, we we do have quite a few natural disasters here in Texas, and so it's not something that's um, foreign to us. And you know, frankly, when this um, this freeze happened, at first it seemed like we were just going to have a cold snap. Um, forecasters here had warned us that we were going to have about a week of you know really cold weather, um, that it might even snow. So we thought we knew what to expect. You know, all the kids were excited. You know, there was a lot of excitement in the air about it. Um, and you know, all of a sudden we have this huge, massive, frigid air that crept over to Texas from the Arctic and. You know, it sent our temperatures here plummeting. And frankly, as those temperatures started to plunge, Texans did what anybody would do in that situation. We cranked up the heat. And, you know, of course, that led to a bigger issue because our demand for power overwhelmed the power grid. And within the first day, much of Texas had lost power. And in thousands and thousands of homes here in Texas, pipes started to freeze and then they burst. The lack of power left millions of people, you know, desperately trying to find warmth. Um, And for us, you know, it became a crisis because we have thousands of medically fragile members. um, And for them, power power outages really become a matter of life and death. Right, right. So tell me a little more about sort of the the members that were impacted? I mean, you described sort of the uh, vulnerable uh, populations that that uh, that your organization uh, cares for. Um, but what impact does that have on them? I mean, you know, somebody who, um, you know, uh, is sort of any anybody could sort of, you know, have or, str- or did struggle with with pipes bursting and, and heat and all these things. But for these populations in particular, what were the challenges that they were facing? Sure. Yeah. You know, we had been through a hurricane not that long ago, back in 2017, Hurricane Harvey. And, you know, we... We already know, right? We we deal with hurricanes on a regular basis here in the Gulf, and so we always know that our first 
you know, response has to be to make sure that we've got a plan for our members and that we've contacted all of our vulnerable members to make sure that, you know, that they're safe, that they've got a plan for what they're going to do um, if things go south. And so we really, you know, started to see the same impacts that we saw similar to, you know, Hurricane Harvey, where, you know, it's widespread impacts, our resources are taxed to the maximum. um, And the biggest need was really identifying locations with power so that we could make sure that our vulnerable members had the ability to continue to utilize their life supporting equipment um and you know just making sure that we were doing all of that in the middle of a public health emergency with covid so we have to take that into account as well of course um many of our nursing facilities um, as well as hospitals and people's homes right lost power for days and so you know we for those members we make sure that they've got backup generators that they've got um you know resources that will continue will will allow those machines to continue to operate but as the week went by what ended up happening was that we started to see people get really low on supplies such as gas to um you know power those generators or you know for example water, you know, I mean, just basic necessities. And so um, our biggest need was to find a place for those members to go um, that, that they could, you know, ride out the storm until we um, we could get power back on for them. And made that much harder because of the, the pandemic. I mean, if this happened any other year, it would be obviously a, a major disaster. And then you sort of layer on these uh, restrictions and considerations around around a, a global pandemic. That's exactly right. And, you know, it's not just the fact that you have to take into consideration social distancing and the fact that, you know, you've got to find a place that has enough room for our members. But on top of that, you have to remember that people were really hesitant to go to shelters or go to mm-hmm. hospitals, because normally what we do is that we'll look for a facility, a hospital, an emergency room, um, you know, or a shelter that's got space for our members and that has power. But with the pandemic, you know, obviously, again, our resources are limited because there's a a space issue. Um, But then on top of that, we also had the hesitancy of our members. And these are members who are medically compromised and they're very vulnerable. So you can imagine for them having the thought of having to go to a hospital or to a shelter in the middle of a pandemic is a life or death death decision. Um, And so, you know, that that complicated things a lot more. Um, You know, of course, on top of that, our nurses, they want to go out and help, you know, they want to go out there and, you know, get in front of our members. And again, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't an option. We couldn't physically go out there, again, because of the pandemic and the fact that we just, you know, we weren't, uh, we did our state was not allowing us to go in and go into members homes. Um, So it just, uh, it, it became a complicating factor for us. Were there challenges too in terms of just medical facilities that they were clearly impacted uh, by this? Were there challenges in terms of getting people to the care care they needed because you know a hospital was uh, out of power or, or running on a generator or something like that? Absolutely. Um, we had multiple uh, nursing facilities uh, that we had to, you know, work with because they um, were on their generators, right? And many hospitals too, right? They're on generators, which, so they were prepared for this. But mm-hmm. as time, <laughs> we didn't expect this to go on so long. So as time went on, those facilities were also starting to run low on supplies. And so, you know, it, it just complicated the situation because of the time and, and how long, um, um, you know, it took for us to be able to restore power across the state. 
What does your, I mean, you mentioned sort of past hurricanes um, and you mentioned some of the, the work that you do in preparation for, for those types of disasters. How did that sort of inform um, your response to, to this one? And c- coming out of this sort of massive, um, uh, impactful disaster, what sort of things are you thinking about now, um, you know, prepare for the next one? Mm, absolutely. So, you know, we're, we always like to say that we're in a continual steady state approach to disaster planning. Um, you know, we've got a business continuity plan, of course, just like all of, you know, United Health Group does. And so um, that's essential to us here in the Gulf Coast. Um, but, you know, past disasters actually really did help prepare us for this because we learned a lot from Hurricane Harvey um, and from other, you know, events that we've had here in the state. Um, we, you know, we know that we have to be proactive and that we have to outreach to our members early to make sure that, you know, that they've got a plan. We have to be diligent about knowing where our members are located so that we can, you know, make sure that we know where they are at all times, even if they get, you know, moved to another location. But we also do other proactive things. For example, after Harvey, we analyzed our call support requests that we received and we, um, found that our members really the number one issue that they needed help with was getting emergency prescription refills in the middle of a, of a you know a, a, an emergency like this so they really needed support with some of the drugs that they need to take and so we created you know some tools for our members around how to prepare for your pharmaceutical needs during a disaster and we proactively distribute those to those members um, so I'm curious, you know, what uh, advice you would have to some of your partners in other states um, who might be experiencing or could experience a, a disaster of this magnitude, thinking, you know, uh, folks in Florida or even the Northeast where you, you might have a, a significant snowstorm. Uh, what advice would you have for them sort of preparing for something like that or planning for it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what's really important is to make sure that we're taking the business continuity planning process very seriously, right? Um, I'll, I'll admit it. I, I know that, you know, we tend to look at it as just another thing that we have to do. And, you know, it's this annual process that you have to go through and you just kind of want to check the box and move on. Um, but frankly, for us, what we've realized is that that business continuity process is actually it's critical for our ability to, you know, meet the needs of our employees and our members. Um, It's a living, breathing document for us. We're constantly looking at it and looking at how we can improve it. What more can we do? Um, You know, how do we think outside of what we traditionally always look at around that business continuity process? Yeah. I mean, I suppose one sort of benefit from this is that it does sort of expose, you know, kind of the worst case scenario for you, right? Some of the things that you probably couldn't imagine would have happened did. Um, and now you sort of, uh, you're able to reframe that, that preparedness approach. Yeah, it really does. You know, I think that what happens is, is that, you know, every single time that something like this happens, we always go back to that, you know, to that disaster plan or to our business continuity plan, because frankly, you know, um, we, like I said, we never expected for something like this to happen. I, you know, if you had told me a couple of years ago that we'd have a freeze that would take over the entire state and that we'd lose power for, you know, for some areas up to a week and no water for over a week in many cases, I would have laughed 
laughed at you, yeah. right? Because there's just, it's never, literally never happened here. I mean, we're not even talking like a once in a hundred year situation. This has literally never happened in the state of Texas. Right. And so, you know, you, you kind of have to get yourself out of that comfort zone of always thinking about like, oh, I know what, what a disaster in my state looks like. Uh, well, Marianne, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Really uh, interesting to hear, hear uh, how you guys handled that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of United Health Group's Weekly Dose podcast. Join us next week for a closer look at how analytics is reshaping the healthcare industry and the role Optum Insight plays in that shift. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week.